on Pep Talk. Within a few months of launching, we really quickly got in with Waitrose and launched nationwide into 152 stores at the time. I think we're at about 180 now. You were famously on Dragon's Den and you managed to secure investment for Tej Lovani. But the investment didn't go ahead. So maybe you can let everybody know why it didn't go ahead. Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business. In Pep Talk, we interview industry-leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to team up with GoDaddy to power Pep Talk. I have been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost, for example. You don't need lots of money to start a business if you leverage the tools at the Purposeful Project and GoDaddy. GoDaddy even help with naming a business. Check out the links in the podcast notes below to connect to GoDaddy tools. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Maybe we could start off by you kindly telling the audience a little bit about yourself and your business. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, um, my name's Rachel and I am Fern and Rosie's mum. I'm a teacher and whilst I was on maternity leave with Fern and Rosie, um, I've also got George as well. Um, I developed and launched a range of reduced sugar jams. Um, So Fern and Rosie is a higher fruit, lower sugar um, jams. We've got the highest fruit content of any other jam that I've seen on the market and as a business we we've had a really amazing couple of years we scaled kitchen table to three of the UK's largest retailers and we did that in just under two years which is testament to the product and the fact that it's an important product it's serving a purpose um, and there's not another product on the market doing what we're doing so i know that before you started this business you were a teacher yes. how did you make that transition from from being a teacher to being a business owner and and perhaps tell folks listening how that's been for you it's interesting because um as we've just touched on, I often say that Fern and Rosie started whilst I was on maternity leave and it did. But the idea for Fern and Rosie, as we've discussed, um, it started before that. So it started when I was a teacher and I was working in schools. And you may remember there was a campaign led by Jamie Oliver um, campaigning around the foods that children should and should not be eating um, at school dinner time. That campaign was a success. Um, and there's legislation in place which provides guidelines and support for schools around what children should and should not be eating at school dinner time. But there's the key. The legislation just covers dinner time. So actually what that means is breakfast clubs and after school clubs are currently unlegislated. And I think as a teacher, I could see this and I could see that this was a nationwide issue. So what's happening and it's happening nationally is schools and children are being sugar loaded at at those breakfast clubs and then sent into the classroom. I also think there's a wider problem because I think... If we look at the way the curriculum set up at the moment, we are bringing children into school. We're sugar loading them at breakfast time. We're sitting them down at their desks. They're spending six hours a day sat down in a chair. And then we're saying, gosh, childhood obesity is rising. Um, and of course it is. And I think as a teacher, um, I could see that and I could see that there was a problem. And I wanted to prov- I wanted to create and provide something that would help to fix that. Um, when I was in the classroom, like... I always think it's it's teaching children to learn and inspiring them to make healthier choices and inspiring them to be the best that they can be was my favourite part of being a teacher. And I think anything that we can do to 
try and support schools and make lives better for children. Um, that's the driving force behind our business. That's what we're trying to do. I think that's an amazing insight and, and, and so true. I've got a four-year-old, so I can completely relate. I can see how it took me a long time to find a school that, that does not operate, just sit at your desk all day. And, and um, yeah, so it's fascinating. Of course, the food element of co- will contribute to obesity and, and that you're, you're out there solving the problem and, 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 and building a product that will help people. That's amazing. Now, I wanted the audience today to learn from you about investors and getting the right investors and finding the right investors. And we'll get to that in a minute because I know that, you know, you were on Dragon's Den and Tej Levani offered to invest in you. And I want to get into that story and, and what happened there. But I, I guess before we, we jump to that, I wanted to just ask you if you felt there was one thing that you as an entrepreneur had that has given you the ability to to make this business happen that you think other people should perhaps emulate? Gosh, that's tricky. I think what I would say is I'm quite enthusiastic um, and I'm enthusiastic and I think that has helped to grow the business. Um, I am I'm persistent, um, which you need to be. You do need to be persistent. And I think I'm working on that resilience. I'm trying to toughen up a little bit as well. Um, but I'm definitely persistent. Um, and I like to think I see the best in people. Um, so I hope that that's something that helps us in that I can, growing a business is growing a team. And I think I can get, I hope I can get the best out of people. Um, I enjoy working with people. And I think that is, that's been a big part of why we've had the successes that I've, that we've had, I think, because we have been able to build, and that's important to us, being able to build those relationships with our with our retail partners, with our wider community, um, that's those relationships are key in what's helped us be successful. So I think that's probably quite important as well. So I think a lot of people listening might want to start a product business or want love the idea of creating a product and launching it to market. The reality is it's quite a complicated world. Of course, you've got the consumers that need to buy the product. You've got distributors you need to convince to come on board. You've got the manufacturing side. Which part of this you know, triangle, I guess, did you did you approach first? How, how did you manage to launch such a successful product into the market? What was your process? So we were, obviously, I was in a, a, a privileged position in that my husband runs a small business. So his family um, creates jams and chutneys. It's a business called Radel, Radel Preserves. Um, so I think that was part of what, helped with Fern and Rosie because I knew how much sugar there was in jam. And I don't know if I would have necessarily known that. I think what's interesting with Fern and Rosie is it wasn't one thing that made me think, right, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a business. It, It was a combination of things. So it was the fact that I could see that there was this problem in schools, the fact that I knew that jams weren't very healthy and that I felt that there needed to be better products out there on the market. I think like my first job was, I used to work in a health food shop um, when I was like 14. Um, and my job was to weigh like the larger quantities into smaller quantities. Um, and then those bags got sold to customers. So I think I always had that kind of background of knowing about food and being interested in food and the different things. And, and then, then the impact of those healthier choices on your body and how that can impact on your life, actually. And then taking that into schools and seeing 
just seen some children that come into school and they haven't had breakfast and some children that come into schools and haven't had a healthy breakfast versus the children that have and the impact that that can have. And I think it's that we all know about that healthy start to the day. Um, and I think I wanted to do that. So for me, I guess the manufacturing side of it was probably the simplest at that point because I started my recipes like at home in my kitchen. And then I did like a small label run. Um, so there's a company called Fast Labels. It's just on the internet and you can order... I think you can even order in like sets of 50. So you can order really small quantities of labels. And that's just what I did. So I I'd worked it all out and I started pitching to small independents, local cafes and delis and little farm shops that are near where we are. And did you just walk into those shops and say, hi, this is my product. Will you stop yeah, it? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, and I also did a lot because I was on maternity leave and I had, so I think I had a different time because had I been teaching full time, I wouldn't have had the time. And obviously I had a baby and have three babies. So I was busy. But I had time in different ways that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't had the break, I guess, like six months that I wasn't teaching and I was at home. And I think that's part of where it came from as well with Fern and Rosie is it, it was flexible working. So I was on my maternity leave and I could do bits in the evening. So once the children were in bed, I could do... It started as well with Instagram. Like I set up an Instagram account. I started taking pictures of what we were doing and sharing that with people. And we got picked up really quickly. So within a few months of launching, I think I set myself a target of, let's see if I can get into 10 farm shops in a month. And we got 30, like we did it really quickly. And that was because there wasn't a product doing what we were doing. And we got that traction. And then we really quickly got a meeting with Waitrose. And then we got in with Waitrose and we launched nationwide into, it was 152 stores at the time. I think we're at about 180 now. And that again was because there wasn't a product on the market doing what we're doing. I think it was because there's a really clever buying team at Waitrose. They are the pioneers at looking for innovative um, food products. And I think Fern and Rosie meets the demand that they have from their consumers in that their customers want to see products that are forward thinking and that are filling a gap in the market. And I think that's what Fern and Rosie does. Just on the on the waitress point for people listening, I'm sure they're going to be wanting to know. Did, did you just call them up? How did you get them on board? Uh, I did. Um, so I did just call Waitrose. So I... I went onto Google, I found the phone number for Waitrose head office and I rang Waitrose head office. Um, and there was a really lovely lady. I wish I could remember her name, but there's a really lovely lady that answered and she was in the reception. And I said, hi, my name is Rachel. Um, I've made this jam and it's 40% less sugar than the standard jams. It's got 70% fruit. Um, there's nothing like it on the market. And I think you should st stock it in Waitrose. And here's why. Um, and I explained that. <laughs> and she said, you need to talk to a buyer. Um, you need to go away. You need to talk to a buyer and you need to tell them about the product. And I said, okay, so how do I do that? Um, what do I need to do? And she said, I can't give you the name of the buyer. Um, but you can probably find that, you can probably find that out. Um, so you need to talk to a buyer and go away and see what they think. So that's what I did. Very inspirational, I think, for <laughs> people listening to, to, to hear this. You know, sometimes we overthink it, don't we? The whole process of like getting, getting partners on board. And you just have to be proactive and, and reach out like you've just done there. That's amazing.
I think so. And then I think it's, it's two things, isn't it? Because we did reach out like that and we sent an email to the buyer. It's also have it, you've got to have that product, haven't you? And you've got to have the we wouldn't have got in if we didn't have the product and we wouldn't have got in if we hadn't been able to explain why the product was important. So I think it's a balance of you've got to be, I guess, um, entrepreneurial, I guess, and, and phone up and, and try and make those things happen. But you've also got to make sure that you've got the product in place and that that's the right product. Um, we were really lucky with Waitrose and always have been in that they've supported us as a tiny, tiny business and as we've grown. Um, which again is testament to the product and testament to them as a team. Um, I always say we wouldn't be here without them and we're really grateful for all of their time. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Taylor Brands, for supporting this podcast and entrepreneurs. Taylor Brands are aligned with our mission to help you start and grow a business and already empower millions of customers around the world to kickstart their business. With their AI-driven one-stop shop for aspiring small business owners with everything you need to jumpstart your business, such as a logo maker, business mailbox, online and physical business cards, printed merchandise, social media tools, and so much more. To find out more about Taylor Brands and how they can help you, click the link below and get 40% off your first order using the code PEP. Now, let's get back to the podcast. So it also leads on nicely to a conversation I want to have with you about raising money and the financial element of this, because it sounds like you you hustled with a great product. You built a great product and then hustled to get the distribution. And then, of course, you've got not only dealing with the distribution and the cost of that, because there's often a placement before sales that the revenue comes later. So a cash flow crunch i guess yeah you've also got to get the consumers on board so let's just talk for a second about the raising funds side now you were famously on dragon's den and for anyone that's watched the episode it's a great episode and you uh-huh. uh, managed to secure investment for tej Lavani. Yes. but the investment didn't go ahead so maybe we could start with on the investment front uh maybe you can let everybody know why it didn't go ahead Dragon's Den was an amazing, it was an amazing experience. And I think the team at the BBC really did look after me. And I'm sure they look after all the people that go on the show. And like from the beginning, when you have your very first meeting with them, right through to filming and then following on from that filming as well. And they do look after you um, and make sure you're okay. I think for me, following the filming, we started working with Teja's team and they were great. And I think we've said this before I know when we've been chatting they often when people do Dragon's Den they come out afterwards and they either come out and they say we're doing Dragon we've done Dragon's Den and we're working with this person and it's amazing or they come out and they say we're not working with Dragon's Den and they're awful and I think Fern and Rosie we're not doing either of those things we've had a really positive experience it was an incredible opportunity I'm really proud that we were part of the show but afterwards, it just wasn't the right thing for e- for either parties. So I think it was a really amicable decision that what I needed and what I still do need um, was support and mentorship to grow the business, particularly at that point. I was still teaching part-time and that was a big thing as well because that was my salary. So I was teaching part-time and I wasn't drawing a salary from the business. So as we were growing, all of those funds were going back in to Fern and Rosie because I was still teaching 
And I think that enabled us to grow that first year. And that would be some advice that I would perhaps pass on if you can, is that you need to build, you need to build the business to a point where it's sustainable, I guess, um, for you and for your family. Um, and that was where Fern and Rosie was in that actually we didn't necessarily need that cash at that point. What we needed was the mentorship and support, um, to grow the business. The bottom line, I guess, of our product is that our product makes money. It's a commercially viable product. So we we were doing okay in that sense. Um, it was the mentorship and support that I needed. And I think Tej is a really busy person. He actually, he left the show and he cited as his reason was that he, he was really busy with his other projects. And I think... You know, I wish, I wish him really well with those things. Um, it just wasn't the right fit for either of us. Um, and I'm confident that we made the best decision. I think this is a really important and interesting point for the listeners to pick up on. It's actually really hard to say no to investment if someone offers to give you money. Of course, the instinct for most of us is to say, yes, please. Money does make things easier. But I think having the vision and the ability to see the future and know your own strengths and weaknesses. And at that moment, what I interpret what you're saying as, and I, and I, and I feel this way myself in businesses in the past as well, is you've got to you've got to know what you really need. And, and like you say there, what you really needed was someone to support you, to some, someone to guide you in, in as you scaled up in this exciting moment you had in the business. And, and therefore, you know, Tej, who was open and honest about it, doesn't have that sort of time. He doesn't even have time for the Dragon's Den show anymore, right? Doesn't have that sort of time. He, he was going to be more of a, a financial investor as opposed to a, a support investor. And it's good for people to see the difference and know what they actually need. And, and I think that's such a good insight that you've shared there. And, and all credit to you for having the strength to say this isn't right for you. Because that's hard, I think. That must have been really hard for you because raising money is a, 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 a hard work, right? So um, having that vision. It, it was definitely easy. a really, it was a very difficult time, not because of just, like, not just because of Tej, but because at that point as well, like I said, I was still teaching. So I was teaching part-time. Also, the business was scaling really, really quickly. So if I think about that period, that September to Christmas period, it was so intense. And I, um, that was the point that I decided to take a sabbatical from teaching. Um, and I spoke to my head teacher and said, you know, I, I can't do all these things at the moment. And I think you think you can do it all, don't you? You think you can spin all the plates. But then actually, when I look back at pictures of myself at that period, I was exhausted because I had three small children and two jobs and, and it wasn't manageable. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you're doing it. I mean, I, I, I have one child and I'm tired and I, and I just host a podcast show. You know, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you did it. No, you're amazing. But I think um, it, it was a really tough time. And I think as well, knowing being brave, I guess, and saying, actually, this is too much at the moment and I need to focus. It's something that I still need to get better at even now. And I think constantly as the business grows, my role always changes as well. And it's always me being aware of, oh, actually, I don't have time for that now. I need to do this. So I need to find more people to help me to do that because there's more, there's more things to do. Um, we're all growing. <laughs> True. And, and just finishing off. So you did raise money. And you did go on to find an investor that was the appropriate investor for you. So tell us how that unfolded. How did you then go on to, to raise the money you needed? 
Um, so we, as a business, partnered with um, my lovely, lovely business partner, who I think we've spoken about before, a lovely man called Giles Brook, who um, I can't speak highly enough of, really. He is an industry expert, um, so he is able to share an awful lot of... I always think Giles does two things. He helps me to build the business and he's got an incredible, he's got, he's an incredible expert in the field. Um, but he also helps me as a founder. So he supports me as a founder as well. And that's what helps to grow the business. So I think we're really lucky there. Um, but yeah, we started working with him in January last year. Um, and yeah, he's a partner in the business. It's his business as, as well as mine. Um, and he's very much involved in the day to day in, oh, sorry, that's the phone. <laughs> Um, he's very much involved in the day-to-day -day running of the business. And I feel like I couldn't have done it without him. Um, really grateful for him. Anybody listening right now is checking that their phone's ringing and listening. And uh, everyone will understand as a business owner that your phone rings while you're doing a podcast. Multitasking. <laughs> such is life. But um, yeah, Giles actually came up when I was interviewing Pippa from Pippa Nut. Yes. As, as her investor too. So um, it, it seems that actually in the investment world, when people are listening, looking for investors, it's actually quite a good rule of thumb to go and see who's invested in existing businesses that have a similarity to yours. I mean, Pippa Nut are doing a very different thing to you, but, but also a successful uh, person-led brand creation. Yeah, absolutely. And it was... Um... Yeah, and it was through Pippa Nut that I found Giles, actually. Um, so I think we... I think one of the reasons as well that I really wanted to work with Giles was because if you look at the other businesses that Giles is working with, they are all purpose-led brands. So they're all businesses that are trying to make a positive impact in the world, which is what we're trying to do with Fern and Rosie. So I think for me to to work with Giles was, was and is an incredible privilege. Um, but I think that was that's where I want Fern and Rosie to grow to. I want Fern and Rosie to be one of those inspiring brands too. And I hope we can get there. And so the investment process, I mean, I personally invested in 73 businesses and, and, and quite a few product businesses as well. Uh, there's a never ending need for money. Who knew? That's yes. basically <laughs> what, what, what ends up playing out quite often as you're building the brand. I mean, marketing wise there's this never ending need to let consumers know about this brilliant product that you've got and so um of course raising more money becomes important so so what's how do you decide when you need to raise money what's your what's your process around that so one of the conversations that we had actually in dragon's den i forget i think it partly partly played out um was the the 40,000 pounds which is what i asked for at that point wasn't enough money to grow the business and I think at that stage where we were, I knew that, but didn't feel like I could value the company any higher than what I had done. Um, and I think I knew at that point, well, we'll do this raise now. And I expect we'll do another one in six months, 12 months time was, was my thinking at that point. And I think that's where we are now. So we are mid that larger raise, um, at the moment. Um, so we're amidst that, um, actively looking for investors to come on board now and um, because we've grown so quickly and because because we know that now's the time to fund the business so if we bring in that investment now and we know really we're really clear on how we're going to spend that money to grow the business and we know that we can deliver that return for investors but I think like you said it does seem to be um 
it's a huge part of business and naively it's something that I didn't know a lot about when I came into Fern and Rosie. I think I just thought this is a really good product. It solves a problem. Of course we need it. I'm going to make it. We'll put it on the shelves in the supermarket and it'll sell. And I didn't know anything more than that, anything more complicated than that. And now when I look back, I think that naivety, um, is brilliant. I don't think we'd have got where we are now if, if I hadn't have been that naive. <laughs> um, but then I also now realize like, okay, so a promotion costs 20,000 pounds or, or, you know, whatever it costs. Um, I don't have that much. And I think that's why we need to understand a little bit more about, um, about raising investment and why that's important. And I think it's difficult. I don't know what you think, but I find it quite difficult to explain that to, to consumers and to customers, like to explain why we need that and what that's for. I don't know if that's something that we can raise a little bit more awareness of. What do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess crowdfunding sites have helped with it a little bit because if you're raising, if you're selling a product, people can see that you want to support your project and that you need the cash flow to make the product, to get the product to market. So a lot of these crowdfunding sites have done a good job in showing the consumer that getting this product to market um, needs investment and then the consumers themselves become part of that journey but i agree with you i think it's something a lot of people don't appreciate just how much it takes to get a product with ethics like your your product on the shelf and and no disrespect to the big multinationals but they often have big budgets they they launch in big fanfare and they're going mainstream researched products and 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 of course they're, they're not seeking funding they're using their cash flow from existing successful products, but uh, as as an independent, as a as a private brand, it's yeah, it's not recognised or understood. And and I think if consumers did understand, they'd be happy to pay ten p more, for example, or um, be happy be happy to support like like small business small business support, you know, that kind of idea. And and you know, I think I think that is a really interesting point. And and the other thing you said, I just don't want the audience to miss as we wrap up the podcast is, is this um, naivety is a superpower. Sometimes as business owners, uh, we overthink and over worry and we, we, and we over plan and then we don't do it. We don't do the business. And, and I actually love the fun nature of your mindset of like, I didn't know it. And that was a good thing because it's true. Sometimes if you know you have to have a couple of hundred thousand pounds to promote your own product, you might not launch it because you think, oh, I don't have that. But because once you've launched, as you did, and once you see how many people love the product, you're then inspired to make sure that you get that money to go the next step, right? As opposed to being daunted by it and never starting. So I admire you for that. And and that, that, that point isn't talked about enough either uh, within the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So I hope people picked up on that. I, I do think it, it was good that I didn't know. I think that has been a strength for us. And I also think I apply that across a lot of the relationships um, that we've built over the years in that I am not an industry expert. I always say my background isn't business. So a lot of the time, particularly in the early days, I didn't, I didn't know. And I think actually that's what's helped us to build such strong relationships with Waitrose, with Ocado, with Morrison's, um, because I have been able to ask for help. And I think asking for help and those businesses who I see as partners, um, them supporting Vernon Rosie ha has helped us to grow. So now we all want the business to be a success for everybody. You know, I want to grow 
the jam category. I want to help those buyers um, by attracting new customers in. So that that's my job is to try and make them proud. Um, and I think we're all working together. And I think that's really important is that we're all a team working together to try and impact positively on the lives of families. Like we did a calculation the other day and it was, if you switch from a standard jar of jam to Fern and Rosie, that will save a family of four, 800 sugar cubes over a year. So it's a really simple swap. And if you think, well, if we roll that out in however many multiples and however many stores, how much sugar are we saving the nation? And therefore, what kind of an impact are we having on health? And that's what drives me. That's the, that was why that was a big part of why I left teaching was because I thought if I stay in the classroom, I can impact on the lives of probably a thousand children. But I think if I do this well, we can impact on the lives of millions of families. And that is purpose. And that is the inspiration behind what we're doing. Well, nice tie in to a podcast powered by the purposeful project. So I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Purpose is so, so powerful and yours is inspirational. Thank you. And I hope Jamie Oliver's listening to this podcast <laughs> and he sends you a check to help <laughs> you grow the business so more families can eat healthily. Uh. So what, what a wonderful story, Rachel. And uh, myself for sure, I'll be following hopefully listeners to all the links to Rachel's many um, wonderful jam products uh, links below and you can uh, reach out to her direct on and even if you just pop on her social media and, and say hello she'd really appreciate it It won't cost you anything and just support this wonderful business with a wonderful purpose Rachel thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge with us today honestly thank you so much for having me it's been a privilege um, I really appreciate your time thank you <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast today and I hope you got value from it. Please feel free to follow us on any of our social media channels and if you have any questions about business, ask us. We will help you. Again, we want to thank our sponsor GoDaddy for supporting this podcast. From naming your business and buying a domain name to building a website for free, GoDaddy has you covered. GoDaddy provides us entrepreneurs with all the help and tools we need to grow a business online. You're not alone entrepreneurs. See you in the next one.